Hi, listener. This is From Ideology to Unity, a spiritual journey where we let go of ego and ideological doctrine in favor of meaning, purpose, and unity as a whole. Today, I'm interviewing Mandy Nankis and Shanna Vavra from the podcast Sense of Soul. Mandy and Shanna have real conversations with lightworkers, motivational speakers, and authors worldwide. They make sure to emphasize personal and meaningful experiences from their own journey. Key subjects they discuss include self-love, soul versus ego, being, synchronicity, and more. According to Feedspot, their podcast is one of the top 25 spiritual podcasts to follow in 2021. But what stands out to me is their is the heart-centered, caring place they are coming from. So it's nice to have you here. Hi. Thank you so much for inviting us. It's been it's a pleasure. I'm so excited to chat with you. Really? So yeah, what's thank that? you. That was a beautiful introduction. We appreciate you having us on. All right. So how did you awaken then? What's your story? I'll go oh, first. Gosh. Okay. Go <laughs> All right. So, you know, awaken. And it is such a very specific word to exactly how I felt. I literally felt like I had woke up and was like, oh my gosh, what is happening? What is this world? Who am I? And what do I believe in? And I think it all pretty much stemmed from me discovering that I was an empath. And once I discovered I was an empath and I started to realize that a lot of the things that I was experiencing and stressing about wasn't even mine, I started to do a lot of mindfulness work, meditation, and in that space is when I was able to really truly connect with my sense of soul, which is, you know, hence our name of our podcast. Oh. <laughs> yes. So that's kind of like the quick, short version. But I had in that space discovered that I, I had horrible thoughts about myself. And so with really becoming the witness of my thoughts, I discovered self-love. And then from self-love it just kind of started to just spell out all over that love just started to expand outside of myself and then connecting with others and wanting to kind of shake the world and say, Hey, listen, you guys are all conditioned. Wake up. <laughs> so that's kind of how it happened for me. Yeah. It could be like that first, isn't it? Like we really just want to wake everyone up. And, yes. but even if they're not ready. So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Mandy, what was it like for you? Oh, gosh. Mine was very rocky. It was, there was a lot of drama and chaos involved in my awakening. I, it wasn't something I chose. Uh, you know, Shanna and I on Sense of Soul talk a lot about turning pain into purpose. And the pain is what was the catalyst to my awakening. Uh, the pain of addiction and putting myself into recovery was part of my story. And then also two near-death experiences from asthma attacks catapulted me into a world where I believed my soul was touched by a divine vibration of love 
that then came back with me to earth and changed me forever. And during the journey of all of that, I too found myself being more mindful and having more awareness and which led me to self-love as well. And Shanna and I just so happen to be blessed to be going through this at the exact same time. And we've been friends since we were 15. So we were able to bounce all of these new awakenings and ideas off of each other and physical symptoms we were feeling from awakening. And we were able to support one another. And that's how we came up with sense of souls so that other people didn't have to go through it alone. So do you think it's a coincidence that you both went through it at the same time? No, I would definitely say not. I believe that we're definitely within the same soul family. So I've come to believe in like more of a soul evolution rather than the traditional Christian beliefs that I had prior. And I came to that when I asked myself how much of what I believe in is what I was told to believe in. And then of that, how much have I actually experienced, which at that point, I, I literally said to myself that question. And I was like, what? None. I haven't experienced anything. I think I had experienced what I used to call it like the Holy spirit. Like I definitely had experienced that, but everything else I felt like even down to who I was supposed to be as a woman, as a mother, I mean, just as a American, I feel like all of it was just kind of conditioned. And so I hadn't experienced anything. And so I really do believe in soul evolution. And I believe that Mandy's part of that journey with me. Right. Now, you mentioned Christianity and the Holy Spirit. And I'm particularly interested in how we can reach out to Christians with new age ideas or what have you because um you know with this awakening i thought that will help now maybe it'll be when they're ready but um what's your perspective on that uh well shanna i guess yeah so what's interesting about that is that in the beginning of my journey and i just talked about this on a podcast recently um Uh, the episode was the inner world movement, but I had been meditating and I thought it was super fun. I I could have stayed meditating for the rest of my life and the rest of my family are like, hello, like you need to come down here and like be a mom. Like I got to go to practice. And so I was, I, but I really enjoyed it. And in that space, I was excited to kind of explore more deeply within my inner self. And because this wasn't a Christian quote unquote practice, I wasn't necessarily seeking Jesus, right? So I really was just open to whatever was happening. And I started to connect with different angels and guides during my meditation sessions. And I even became quite familiar with them, specifically two of them. And one day, you know, I'm having this meditation. All of a sudden I see this person like walking to me. I was like by a river. It was very clear. I can still remember it very clear today. And this is probably like seven years ago. And all of a sudden he like manifests in front of me and it's freaking Jesus. I mean, like, Oh, Jesus Christ. Like literally Jesus. What's the skin tone? I'm just curious. 
Um, I couldn't, there, I can't give it really a color to be honest with you. No, I don't think I've ever asked myself that. Um, he was more of a light, like a bright white. He was radiant. And so it was was so radiant. Yes. Wow. Good. You know what? That's a great awareness for even me right now. I've never actually described it nor have ever been asked to. Um, but yes, he was so bright that I guess there was no real color. I when I think about that, I almost think about the crown chakra, like how we can see it as like the violet light, but that is so bright that it's just you know bright, bright could be white. And so he held me though, and I became like the small little infant in his hand, and he just was like, "You have seeked me your whole entire life. You called on me ever since you were little." why don't you call on me anymore? I mean, like you call on these guys over here because my other guides were there and we were like by this huge boulder. And um, I was like, oh shit, I'm in trouble, right? But no, it was more of just like this love and just like, remember, you know, like I've always been here for you. Like I, I am the divine healer. I, you know, I, you know, he's, he taught nothing but good. And he has done, you know, so much good for this world. And I was like, what, why haven't I? I think it was out of guilt and shame. And so that was a really cool experience for me. And it just reminded me that, you know, I can't, even though I may not agree with some of the things about religion, the aspects of many of the masters are all very divine and part of, you know, me, part of my heart, part of my self-love. And part of my journey, why would I have left him out? So were you yeah, guilty for having been a Christian? For meditating, for going outside my practice, right? I felt oh, okay. like I would be judged and I definitely was judging myself. Um, you know, and that became apparent when he showed up. So you were very much, did you dwell in your shame consciously as you grew up? Mm. as i grew up yeah because i don't know (laughs) for me i didn't have that and i had but i did have repressed shame that i didn't even realize that i had Mm. so i'm wondering if there's a difference between like conscious shame and repressed shame and what that does well i think that that definitely my experience was repressed shame Okay. Cause I definitely wasn't conscious to it. I thought that, you know, I was very confident with what I was doing and that I had no shame in it, but I have experienced shame throughout my life when it comes to religion. I mean, I can remember when I got pregnant and I wasn't married yet, even though I had been with the person for years. Right. I mean, it was like, you know, I was out of wedlock and there's all these rules and I felt the shame of my parents you know, because of God, that's what, that's all, you know, around how I felt and that I needed to ask for forgiveness and quickly get married so that they could actually even tell people. But that was, so that to me, that was like actual um, conscious shame. And then the shame I felt unconsciously, or that was definitely repressed during my journey, definitely showed up in that meditation. How do we process well, this is either or both of you can answer this. How do we process shame that's conditioned into us, especially if it's done by religion? Hmm. 
Well, I think you just answered your question in your question. And that is, we have to process it. We have to sit with it. We have to feel it. We have to bring our awareness to it. And then we get to make a conscious decision to change that within not only our conscious mind, but our subconscious mind. And for me, Shannon and I are so blessed because we can share each other's research and our downloads with each other. And Shanna went through a stage where she shared with me. And we also had a guest on who was um, really into the brain and neuroscience who explained that we can change those thoughts. We can change those neuro pathways in our brain. Now, the problem is it takes work. And a lot of people don't want to do the work. But are you talking me, about sorry no go ahead are you talking about emdr you know what i did in i did emdr uh for trauma after my near-death experience and yes it was very successful um but you don't have to always go to that extreme this is something you can do within your own home sitting with yourself um you know for me i had a lot of shame around my addiction I had a lot of shame around because I was an addict and an alcoholic. I didn't believe I was worthy of the Jesus that they talked about in the Christian churches. So for me, when I was able to sit with those feelings and realize that these were just beliefs that were limited that I put on myself and really get to know who I was and have my own personal relationship with who I believe is the divine, that was when I was able to shift those thoughts. And I wanted to add really fast that you said, how can we reach Christians? You know, I'm seeing a beautiful shift right now. And part of my journey was, I think that a lot of our society and people get hung up on words. Vocabulary has really done a disservice to our world. For example, when Shannon and I were sitting in meditation, feeling like we were going against prayer, they're actually very similar. I always tell people, you know, prayer is when you're talking to God. Meditation is when you're listening to God. But we have all these words that we've gotten hung up on. And I think another thing that Christians and other people of other religions need to know is that God speaks to all of us differently. He doesn't speak to you, Nick, how he speaks to me. And he doesn't speak to me how he speaks to Shanna. We've had guests on where he has spoke to them through numbers. We have had guests on where he spoke to them through prayer. We have had guests on who've spoke to him through uh, signs on streets, um, through animals. He speaks to us all on a different level. So for us all to be expecting God to come to us in the same way through the same church or the same pastor or the same book is absurd. He meets us all where we can understand him. Right. Word. And if we can, I suppose people might see um, that being discussed, these different ways in which we can connect to God and maybe they'll find that more appealing. But I guess there's this expectation where you, you want to change others to um, convert. And that's almost the Christian mindset. So actually, we've actually got to be careful of that. No, I definitely don't want to change anybody. Mm. I mean, because here's the thing, like you said at the beginning, of course, I wanted to shake everybody, but you can't. 
something that you have to find on your own. And there was nothing that I've been through that I have actually experienced, right? That one question I asked and I, I did start to experience stuff. None of that could have been taught to me in a book or by Mandy or you or anybody else. You could have shared your experience with me and I could have, you know, you could have reached me in that way. And I think that's why, you know, podcasts are amazing or joining groups that are supportive and open-minded because you get to hear other people's stories, be vulnerable, hear their pain and how, you know, they turned that into purpose, which is, you know, I feel what the soul's purpose is. And so through that, I mean, there's absolutely nothing that we can actually, you know, force anyone to believe. In fact, I always say like, if I haven't experienced it, then I'm just open to it. Right. So I, so I don't say that you're wrong, but I'm just, I'm open to it, but I haven't experienced it yet. So I try not to usually speak on it if I haven't experienced it yet. And that's how I live. Right. Um, um, I think, Mandy, you mentioned addiction, right? And um, yeah. would you say that, sorry? Yeah, yeah. Right, so I, would you I say that a... you, typically people, they're trying to fill in a hole when they're addicted to something. So did you, was it, for me, I realized I was addicted to, let's say, watching videos and stuff or gaming and things like that. And for me, it was like, it says to yourself that you're not good enough as you are if you need something else to feel good. Was that it? Was it like that for you? You know, at the beginning, it was not. At the beginning, at the beginning of it, it it was a learned behavior and also something that was genetic. There's over 20 people in my family that have um, addiction issues. But when my body started to get physically addicted to it, and then also when the shame kicked in, that was when I started to use the alcohol to fill a void in my soul. Um, but you know what? That's actually a really good question because looking back from when I was 15 and picked up my first drink, there was a void there to begin with. So, so maybe, yeah, I think I'm going to backtrack and say, yes, to your, I mean, to your question. Yes. I believe that I drank to fill insecurity and void within my soul. Cause huh. you didn't have any other tools. Is that probably why? I didn't have any tools. I wasn't taught self-love. I lacked a lot of self-love. I was an empath. I didn't know how to protect myself from the, from feeling the pain of the world. So yes, I didn't have any tools. Okay. So what is an empath? What are the different types of empath? Mm. Yeah. So I found out that I was a physical empath. But I think that we're all on some level, some, you know, we should, we should all have some sort of empathy, but I think that like mine is on a very severe level. And so not knowing that I was an empath was very dangerous for me, you know, and still is still is, I mean, I have to constantly protect myself. What's so, the physical empath, Shanna? Yeah. So I literally, I'm a, I, I'm a massage therapist and a while ago, 
I used to do more massage and I literally would come home with all of their symptoms. I mean, I thought it was crazy. I mean, if they had jaw pain, I had jaw pain. If they had knee pain, I had knee pain. Of course, you know, I would have it with my kids too. And so then I'm thinking, is this just all in my mind? But then it would happen to where it'd be like, my daughter hurt her foot at school and all of a sudden my foot's hurting all day. And then she comes home and she says, you know, she hurt her foot. And I'm like, wow, this is like a spiritual thing. So it was beyond just being with someone physical for me as well. You know, I think that I would, you know, listen to my friends bitch about their lives and stuff. And all of a sudden I'd have a headache at the end, at the end of every day, you know, and that was part of my life that I did that. Um, even still today, I, every time I get a symptom, I'm like, oh shit, is this mine? And Mandy, am I lying? A lot of times it shouldn't be mine, right? It absolutely is the other person's. And so I'm like, why am I experiencing this? I don't have this. So that for me, that's the physical empath. Um, you know, there's lots of, I mean, some people have yeah, gone to extremes of like, why do you tend to Yeah, I'm an emotional empath. So if I, you know, watch a movie where people are getting killed, um, I, I can feel it like deep in the depths of my like being, I can feel with discernment. It, it, uh, it upsets my nervous system. Yeah. I remember that as a child watching war movies, you know, this deep, you carry everything. When you go to bed at night, you're not really ever thinking about anything except for the hurt of the world and the pain that other people are feeling and how you just want to wish you could take that away. And you, you really do, you take it on as your own. Mm-hmm. Or like, man, you will go into a store and come out like four hours later. <laughs> yeah. I attract people that want to tell me their entire life story. So if I'm running into the store to grab a can of tomatoes four hours later, my kids are like, where have you been? And I'm like, this random person walked up to me and decided they want to tell me how they lost their wife in a car accident. And it's, it's so bizarre. It's such a beautiful gift, but at the same time, you have to learn how to protect yourself. Right. I mean, there's other types. One example I've heard of is the animal uh, empaths. Mm. Okay. Well, see, and I think any, anybody who is an empath can connect with an animal can also connect with a tree. Right. I mean, a tree was chopped down in my backyard a few years ago. And I, I mean, I seriously was like a loss for me. And so, and I never even knew that I was connected in that way, but I think it's any energy, right. I'm connected to your energy right now. And that's a good thing about empaths is that we can be like that chameleon, which I don't know if you've ever heard that described, but like, you know, we can mold to somebody else's energy, you know, in a positive way, but as long as we're controlling it, that's a good thing. Well, and as long as you're using it for the greater good. <laughs> That's true. I've heard this concept of dark empaths. Yeah, I would think that that would be what that would mean, you know? It would just mean if someone that. chooses the dark. I saw it on a psychology. Um, the dark side. I saw it on a psychology uh, YouTube channel. It just, to me, the concept seems basically if an empath chooses, serves a self or or something yeah. that's what it would be i, yeah. I suppose yeah. it's not inconceivable well and not only that say you're like with a friend and you're feeling all of her pain 
well, and you're just like, well, this is what I would do because you're feeling it all. You know what I mean? You might offer some, you know, bad advice because you think that you're in their energy and understand what they're experiencing, which you are, but that's kind of the thing. You have to make boundaries um, and protection. So boundaries and protection is like the two most important things for empaths. So to be authentic as an empath, do you have to discern what's yours and what's theirs? <laughs> Mandy will tell you my, fa- my famous line, not mine. I mean, I've had to, and it's, you know what, it's gotten easier because it's very difficult at first, very, especially with my family, right? But when my daughter comes home from a long day at work and all of a sudden she's being mean to me for no reason, I haven't even seen her, you know, it's like, well, that's not mine. And I'm not going to allow you to put it on me. And so I'll quickly throw some like flames up in front of me. Like, no, (laughs) you won't. You absolutely will not, you know, put this on me. Um, And I really don't even listen anymore. I'm more protecting myself and putting up boundaries. But yes, you're right. And, and, you know, I'm going to take a different spin on that. I, I think it's important for people to know that boundaries don't have to to be stone walls. If it is theirs and it's not yours, you can still come from a place of empathy and compassion and love, and you can still be there for them, but not attached to it. So it's that whole concept of detaching with love because it can come, you can come off as extremely cold if you just throw up that stone wall. Um, yeah. So, you know, it's a process, it's a learning process. And I will say that I find it incredibly fascinating that if you go and look at the statistics, a lot of, if not all, people in the room of Alcoholics Anonymous are empaths. And I found that very fascinating that addiction and empaths are almost hand in hand. A lot of, of people in those rooms feel the pain of the world and feel on such a high vibrational level that the alcohol or the drugs is what helps them to calm that down and suppress that out of their bodies. Right. I've got a question because how do we learn not to project or push all our emotions onto someone? Um, Because that's the other aspect of it, I suppose. Okay. So have you ever read the book, The New Earth? by Eckhart Tolle. I'm um, reading it right now. Oh my gosh. Yes. So don't you love it? Oh my gosh. I love that book. I keep buying it and then giving it away, buying it and giving it away. (laughs) But you know, the whole pain body, right? Yeah. I don't know if you've gotten to that part yet, but it's, Mm. it changed my life. And one of the things that it did as I practiced this, you know, like pausing and then kind of deciding is this mine or is this yours? I was so focused on, on deciding this for the opposite person. But what was really interesting and probably the best lesson was when I realized that I did it to someone else. That was amazing. So I was, I was totally just like at odds with my partner. We weren't talking, you know, for detaching with love. And, you know, I had done something nice for him. I invited his daughter over. She comes over. They have a really nice time. And he comes in. And he says to me, thank you very much for having her. I had a good time. And I, instead of me saying, oh, you're welcome. You know, I was like, yeah, you see, I just do stuff for you. And blah, blah, blah. I mean, I just like vomited all over him. Ooh. And then, you know, I was working on that book at the time. And I was like, oh, my God, 
I, I mean, I had, there was no pause. It was an absolute reaction to my emotion with no thought. It was mean. And it just, if I would have given myself space, just a little bit of space to pause and say, wait a second. First of all, if I'm reacting that way, that means that there's something in me, not in him, right? This is mine. So then I realized, what is that? you know, oh my gosh, I didn't feel, you know, that I was doing enough. I believed that it's not, if I didn't believe it, I wouldn't have reacted that way. So at that moment I was able to kind of just like suck it up, walked in the other room with my head down. And I was like, oh my gosh, I am so sorry. That was my pain body. And he's like, what the hell is that? And I was like, oh, never mind. It's just, yeah. But I didn't really mean that. And I'm really sorry. I'm glad you had a good time. I didn't do it to like get brownie points. I did it because, you know, I care about you. And so I shouldn't have acted that way. So that's my suggestion is we just need to pause before we react. And to, to heal our pain body or to or transmute it or what have you, like we said earlier, is that just a matter of feeling it and processing it? Yeah. And presence, of course, is the key. Being is one of the things you talk about, right? Awareness. So, Mandy, yeah. um, I'm curious, what's your, um, do you have anything to share about being or presence uh, as a theme on your podcast? I think for me, when I died, um, so I had an asthma attack and you, I don't remember much of the evening, but I was in a coma for nine days on life support. And I remember before my asthma attack, I was really striving to be more and to be more to me meant labels, these worldly labels. Like I needed to be have a better title or a better education or some better, you know, letters in front of my name that I needed to just be more, be more to fit into this world and to accomplish more. And that's what being meant to me. And I'll never forget when I got out and I was in recovery and feeling the oneness that I felt with earth and the trees and people and myself for the first time, I realized that just being was enough. And it, it was none of those labels. It was none of those conditioned worldly labels that I was enough just being, just being still. I was, I was enough. I was a good enough mom. I was enough just being a mom. I was enough just being a friend. I was enough just being here on earth. I was enough just being. And I was forced to be present. I couldn't lift my arms. I had lost 38 pounds of muscle. So mindfulness for me was not a choice. I had to connect my mind, body, and soul in order just to lift up a pen because I was so sick and so weak. Right, And that mind, that mindfulness and that presence, and then the epiphany of realizing that I was enough by just being exactly where I was at in the moment created this 
beautiful life that I strive to get back to that place every single day. And that's why Shannon and I have made this a theme throughout our podcast that just being is not those worldly labels, just being who you are in this exact moment. The only moment we're promised is enough. Thank you. That is a very vulnerable thing to share, but I'm sure you've done it already. So that was a, a sort of ego death experience. But would you say the ego death experience that led you to that presence was more the asthma attack or the, the when you were on life support or nearly dying or afterwards when you have to, when you couldn't do anything? I think it was, it was all of the above. I think that when I crossed over to the other side and actually had that experience and knew that our souls go on and that this is just, as people call it, our meat suit, that, that, that was when I was able to really get in touch with my soul. And what did you experience on the other side? Oh gosh. You know, I think a lot of people that have had near-death experiences almost hate attaching words to it because there are no words to, that can do it justice, but I'll try. Uh, it was, you don't, you don't have any feelings or emotions. Like you don't miss earth. You don't feel sad that, that you've left your children behind. You have no feelings about those attachments that you carried throughout your life or those cords that you had with people, places, and things. You just feel this just ultimate presence of nothing but absolute love. It's, that's the only thing that you feel. Um, you, uh, you know, I was greeted by my brother who had passed away in the war in 2007, and he was in um, his desert storm uniform and he greeted me, but then it dissipated like and went away. And it was like this golden glitter around him. And then he became a soul and we just spoke like, um, with just, you know, you're not speaking with a mouth. And these women, these these women, they didn't have wings, but they greeted me through this beautiful forest and colors aren't even colors that we can see on a spectrum of, you know, here on earth. They're, they're more vibrant, they're more clear. Uh, the, it's like earth untouched by humans. It's like the cleanest, most, the air, everything is just untouched and so crisp and Um, They greeted me and they didn't speak and then they dissipated as well. It was just like a welcoming and it was just bliss and it was uh, just serenity, peace, love, uh, birds, waterfalls. I mean, it's just, it's, it was pure beauty. And that, is that what new earth will be like? Yeah, that's, that's beautiful. And I guess when we're present, we get a taste of that, or maybe that is even, yeah. Or if we're present, that's, I think where we feel the pain of what we've done to the earth. And to others, and we, you know, we see what's happening here on Earth and how it shouldn't be, and how separated we are. Um, 
guilt for the people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know that I think that for myself, yes, I probably still carry a little guilt of my ancestors and it's something that I'm working on, but we all, we always could do better. Right. You know, as, as, as a country, as a, as a people is what I'm saying. You know, and I think that's one of the reasons why, you know, I share my story and stuff so that we can, you know, become aware of these truths because I'm definitely a truth seeker. And so it's important. Yeah, I've got a question. Um, either of you can ask answer this. Um, some people say that you need guilt because without guilt, you have no incentive to actually improve and do better, be better. And if you're hurting people, you just like, you'll carry on doing it unless you feel guilt. What's your response to that? I believe guilt is, is empathy. So yeah, I think that that is, that is true. Now, do I believe you should ever hold on to any emotion? No, because they're temporary, but they're there to be messages and bring us to awareness. Right. So the problem isn't, isn't guilt itself, but our relationship with guilt and shame. That's the issue. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I've never thought of it that way. I was sitting there thinking if I didn't have guilt, would I have gotten sober? If I didn't have shame and guilt, would I have dove into self-help and learning how to evolve on this earth. If I didn't have guilt and shame, would I even be sitting on this podcast with you? Right. Right. So how do we honor it without being succumbing to it in a sense? Well, Mandy, it's like you say about anger. It's like Mandy talks about anger kind of in this way a lot. Well, I'm going to go back to getting stuck on vocabulary and words. I think it's about tweaking our perspective about the word guilt. So when we think of the word guilt, we think of it as this ugly, negative thing. Why can't we think of it as this beautiful catapult into this, this new presence and this new way of becoming better? Potentially to what what is the problem? What is it that, is the difference between the way the new age community deals with guilt and shame and how the Christian communities deal with guilt and shame. I would say one seeks forgiveness outside of themselves and one seeks it inside themselves. And, you know, it's it's also the same thing as pain. You know, you can pain, anger, um, pain, guilt, shame, all these things. And actually, usually a lot of these things manifest into physical pain. So we're, it's like a, hello, you didn't connect with me when I sent you the emotion that connects you to guilt. And so now I'm going to send you this pain. So you'll try, you know, just trying to scream at us, like deal with this. You have something here. Oh, I had a dream where it relates to an issue of my repressed shame and guilt. Um, 
and also a fear of being shamed by others, which are, they're the same thing, really. They're just two different sides of the same coin. It's that there's an outward reflection and there's an inward reflection. I had this dream and I was like, take me seriously. And I was like, at first I was inclined to scoff at it because I was like, <laughs> oh, wow. No, you, no, there's nothing wrong with it. I'm not a bad person. Like, just because yeah. you, but the thing is, like, it's the, the Christians look outwards. I'm generalizing. And so, but as above, so below, as below, so above, the outside and the inside correspond. And we need mm -hmm. to look within, otherwise we're projecting, right? Absolutely. So that's maybe the answer. It, it comes down to looking within, because otherwise you're just, you're putting it onto other people and not really dealing with it. And it just sits outside. And take yeah, time you, uh, you end up bleeding on people that didn't cause your cut. Yeah. Um, we have this beautiful, young, wise girl that we've had on our podcast that we just absolutely adore named Vanessa. She's like 21 and she's so awake. It's, it's so beautiful. I love meeting people of that young generation that are just so advanced in the evolution of their souls. And she's one. And she was posted this thing the other day about an egg with the chicken in it. And it talked about how if we try to crack open from the outside into that egg, then it causes death. But if we go, if we, if that chicken works from the outside coming out of that egg, then life is born. So it was just this beautiful analogy around how mm -hmm. we have to do the work from the inside out to, to, to evolve and to live. That if we let the world try to crack us out, it's gonna cause a lot of pain. That this is, it all goes back to, you know, it seems so simple, but as humans, we like to make everything so difficult. And that is the good old saying that happiness lies within. Well, and, and that's not what we're taught. I mean, we're absolutely taught, shown that happiness is outside of us. Success is outside of us. Love is outside of us. Everything is outside of us. God and that just simply is outside isn't true. of us. Yeah. Yeah. I was taught that God was outside. God was outside of me, that God was this man in the sky with a beard. And then I had to fear him to feel his love. And that was the biggest shift that I had. God is not outside me. He is not in a church. I mean, he's everywhere and he is within each one of us. I don't even like saying he, that divine energy is within each one of us. So if you want to, to have that relationship with the divine, you, you just have to have a relationship with yourself. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's one of the hermetic laws, the law of correspondence. Um, well, there's something else to kind of add, but I can't remember. But basically, yeah, it's, uh, it's all about looking within, because otherwise we're just adding to the pain. Right. Essentially. And you have to like decide, like if you don't, like the feeling of guilt if it makes you feel uncomfortable which is exactly its purpose what do you want to replace it with like naming it right would you rather 
feel love. Well, love in that sense would be forgiveness, right? Forgiveness for self or whatever. You have to replace it with something with a different energy, with a positive, higher energy. Yeah. And that replacement or transmutation or whatever you call it, that healing, how do you, well, except apart from feeling it, how do you process that? So if it comes in an emotion, a lot of times like you'll feel it here. So I guess it's where you feel it in your body. So we have to use our tools to process it. And so like Mandy was saying earlier, like discernment, it's one of the things that I feel like it's the most important thing. So it's awareness, awareness, but yet you're trusting your own body, your own energy to help you discern what that is. So, I mean, I don't know if you've ever done one of those discernment exercises where you like tell yourself a, a lie and then you tell yourself a truth or vice versa. It feels different within your oh, body. Yeah. When I've been angry and I've, let's say, ranted or something just to myself, let's say, and I say something that I know isn't true. It's like, I really feel it. Like I feel yeah. a heat, more of a heat in my head. And actually, yeah. I actually get angrier as well because your yeah. muscles tighten up. It's, it doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel good. And then when you tell yourself the truth, you know, your body naturally responds and aligns with the truth. Yeah. And then there's also energy work. Um, that can really help us because obviously there's the chakras and if they're out of balance or too open or too closed um, or if the ones below that chakra like are closed like that can cause all sorts of issues inside and outside yeah. so um, yeah uh, do you have anything to share about that well, Shanna has a lot to share about that. So Shanna is actually a Reiki master teacher. Um, I'm a Reiki practitioner as well. I, I will say that if you would have asked me what Reiki was five years ago, I would have been like, what the heck are you talking about? <laughs> um, but it is truly a gift that I believe a lot of people need to bring awareness to and to learn about because it's a map. It's a beautiful map of our, our body and our body's energy, our soul's energy, our body's energy that helps us to, to process that pain and those feelings that you're talking about. Um, yeah. And just like everything inside of your body is happening, that information is coming off of your body and they've measured your aura. This is, you know, there's a lot of science that backs up, you know, the work that's being done today. Right, and I'm fascinated about that overlap between uh, science yeah, and spirituality. Me too. Love it. Well, then you need to have on Evan Alexander because him and his wife, Karen, or his partner, Karen, are unbelievable, and we will try to connect you with them. Oh, thank you. That, that's, that's great. Um, yeah. I'm always happy to find new people to interview. He's, you know, he was a science, he was a neurosurgeon and he didn't believe in spirituality whatsoever. And he got very ill and got meningitis and ended up almost completely with his brain as mush. 
and he had a, an amazing spiritual experience and came back and now travels and speaks on how the two are merging. And that's the other beautiful shift that Shanna are seeing. Shanna and I are seeing and witnessing on our podcast is that the two are merging. That is the shift that is happening. And that is the beauty and even the horrible um, situation of COVID during COVID it's, it catapulted that shift of science and spirituality merging. And, and it is, it's so fascinating. It's, it's a beautiful topic, but yeah. Shanna talk, tell him about the chakra system a little bit more on that energy level, as far as processing that shame, guilt, pain. Good idea. Oh, well, I mean, you know, I don't know how, how familiar you are, you are with Reiki and chakra system and all that stuff. And, you know, and really I know, Reiki is just, it just means universal energy. I mean, call it whatever you want it. I mean, it's always been here. It's, it's nothing new. And the thing is, is that we're still talking about modalities that have been used. I mean, the chakra systems freaking ancient. I mean, we're talking thousands and thousands of years old and, you know, we just had on Shai Tabali, who is like a chakra expert. And it was such an honor to have him on, but he agreed with me. And I've been seeing this for so long. I mean, your chakras develop every seven years. It's like a roadmap of your life. I mean, every seven years. And so if I have something going on in my body, right, I'm going to say, so let's just say, for instance, I have anxiety, right on my chest. Okay. So what is this extra energy going on on my chest? Right. I'm going to sit with it, connect with it because I know it's a message, right? Something's trying to tell me my body is trying to connect with me and say, Hey, listen, I need some care in some way, but there, I mean, this is the chakra that was developed from what would be, um, 27 to 32. Would that be, make sense? Yeah. So, I mean, think about that age or is it 21 to 27? Yeah. 21 to 28. 21 to 20. Yeah. 21 to 28, 21. Yeah. So this is, think about that age. I mean, that is literally when you fall in love for the first time, you know, you're off on your own. A lot of people get married around this time, have children. So like all of this love, yummy stuff's happening. It's also when, you know, you're coming out of that, um, teenage to early adult year when it's all about you, right? (laughs) So it's like your heart, you're opening up to be a little bit more empathetic. And so there's a lot going on here. And a lot of times all the energy that you're carrying, like the weight of the world on your shoulders, which is still part of that heart chakra. I mean that, you know, you have to consider how much of other people's stuff am I carrying here in my heart and not giving to myself. And so- Um sitting with that uh, not to be pedantic but <clears throat> wouldn't 21 be the third seven and thus the, yeah, the solar so plexus so no so it's zero to seven is sacral chakra oh, i mean i'm sorry right. the root <clears throat> chakra so you have the root chakra so you're coming into the earth right and about seven years old is also around the time you're moving out of that beta brain wave so you're starting to kind of have that output of thoughts you move into the sacral chakra, like seven to 14 years. And that's when you're right connecting with, oh my God, I'm a girl, I'm a boy, you know? So you're going into your reproductive system. And um, this is where a lot of your emotions start to really flow because of the hormone period. And then you move into the solar plexus, which is 
um, like 15 to 21 ish, 14 to 21, 22 area. And so that's going to be your identity, right? So the solar plexus is all about who are you? What are your passions? And you have the whole world telling you you should be this. So you're fighting for your identity. And so then you're moving into the heart space, right? So this is your early adulthood. Then you move into your voice and then you go into, you know, where are you at? How old are you? I'm 31. Okay. So you are into your throat chakra, speaking out, speaking your truth, your voice, right? And I've started podcasting, right? So it makes sense. Yeah. And podcasting. And so then you move into the third eye and Manti and I are both in our crown. So the third eye would be more like kind of, you know, looking over your life. Like, what have I done? You're over. Oh, range. And, um, have headaches and stuff in their in their late 30s and then you go into the crown and you're just like epic you know I just want some peace in my life like you know I don't care about impressing the world anymore and then you start over and hopefully you've learned something right it'd be fascinating starting over I'm not sure how that would work because you've obviously you've done it before so With is no it doing tools. it in a higher level <laughs> Yes, of course. Yeah. I mean, thing, I mean, that's where the wisdom really starts to come, right? You've got all this knowledge. Hopefully now it's turned into wisdom. And now when you revisit the root chakra and you're connecting more with earth rather than, you know, just watching the world as a zero to seven-year-old. And, and it's so much deeper than that too. I mean, it's such yeah. a, a beautiful thing. Like I'm sitting here looking at myself today thinking, why did my higher self pick out this shirt today? Yeah, me and too. Shanna's got on red too. Uh, my, we higher always self that. Knows, my higher self knows that right now I need to spend some time today being rooted. So I need to do a root, a root meditation. I need to sit and ground myself today. I need to eat some red foods. I mean, every time you have a symptom, if you sit with the symptom and connect it to the, the chakra that it aligns with, then you, you can figure out where you need some extra awareness and attention. And then from there, you can do things to unblock yourself. Um, you, you know, I have found such fascinating things through the chakra system. For example, um, drumming, you know, drumming helps me to um, high, raise my vibration. Um, there's all, there's just all kinds of different things that you can do to um, help you with whatever your body and the chakra system is telling you. Right. What color are you wearing today? What, what's your color kind of dark lately? Blue, there? Navy blue. Almost black. Blue. Almost blue. Your throat. Um, yeah. <clears throat> so um, if as you get older every seven years, there's this change in your chakras. And in astrology, as you get older, there's your, your birth chart kind of develops in more ways. Is that connected? Wow. We've had like freaking five astrologers on last month we should have asked him that question what a great question I don't know but I would assume because you know what every time um you look up anything that seems to be aligned it is you know it is connected because everything is connected and I love that I mean just the fact that the archetypes is really connected to like you know Carl Jung and you know to the we're reading a book right now about chakras and it's about archetypes. And so it's just always all connected, right? Yeah. Um, I love Jung too. 
Yeah. Love. You know, and for for the listeners, pick up the book, The Seven Personality Chakra Types by Shai Tapali. That's the book club we're doing right now. And this book takes chakras to a whole nother level. His entire yeah, system is does, built. Go ahead. And doesn't it remind you of, of also the signs of the zodiac? I've even actually pointed that out. So that's why I found it was very interesting that you said that. I should yes. really do read that book because I'm, since I'm really into Jung and archetypes and and uh, astrology and spirituality, you know, it, the, these things, is that intersection? It's definitely something. Kind of, can you guys see the Well, it's kind of the, uh, it's hard to see because of your background. Yeah, oh, my background. Your background. Okay. Yeah, you can't see it. No. no. Yeah. Well, well Nick, Nicholas, I love your brain. <laughs> yeah. I, I love I can feel it from you. Like you're so curious. I love curiosity. I think curiosity is such a beautiful thing. And, and by the way, you have like this amazing lighting going on behind you right now. Like you're just being shined down upon. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's the, well, not sunset, but you know, it's just the angle of the sun. The sun's blessing me. Yeah. Well, I don't know about you, Nicholas, but Mandy and I, we are like students, you know, we interview a few times a week and it's like being at school. Like it is amazing. And we have learned so much from our guests. And I mean, it's just been such a blessing. And I I think that that's going to be for you too. I mean, Mandy and I were just like you, very curious truth seekers, you know? I mean, I, I was always like, I had a, this love of knowledge seeking to understand reality, even before I discovered spirituality. But then it was like, it was almost like, I don't know, like I was in a sense of incompleteness that I was filling with knowledge. But obviously, wisdom is so much more valuable. And you, you can't really think that, you can't think your way there. No, you can't. It's the experience. Yeah, that's what I was just going to say. And it's really beautiful because when you manifest that you want that experience so you can come to a belief, it always ends up happening. Whether it's through a guest or, you know, Shannon and I are really big on on synchronicity. um, Oh, yeah. Yeah, too. Have you read the book by Carl Jung? First of all, we just yes, want to give a shout out to Carl Jung because, you know, I thought I would probably be tracked down and maybe killed for saying that I'd put him right up there with Jesus. But I think he was a very enlightened man. <laughs> he was a very enlightened man. There's nothing that we've ever looked up that his name was not attached to. And trust me, we've yeah. looked up a lot of stuff. He was a brilliant, enlightened human. But yes, we have. Yeah. Synchronicity. It's crazy. There's positive and negative synchronicity, and which one you get depends on uh, you, I suppose. Yeah, what vibration you're putting out into the world, because literally it's coming off of you, physically, like coming out, you know what I mean? So be aware of what you're putting out, like everything going on inside of you. I've got a theory that to some extent, synchronicity isn't actually more stuff happening or special stuff happening, although it is. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. also your awareness rising 
so that you notice more of the mm -hmm. synchronization of everything. Bingo. Yeah. Agree. Absolutely agree. However, I do, like you said, agree with some spiritual guidance being shown as synchronicity. I do believe that as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I was going to ask you about the connection. Pardon me. I was going yeah. to ask you about the connection between spirit guides and synchronicity, because obviously that's one of the made, well, that's how they communicate with you, right? You know, yeah, I do think so. And like, I've actually even told people that before, um, who like, they're, you know, they, they don't have, they'd like to speak to like their loved one or connect with them, but they, they don't have, you know, they haven't had that connection. And I'm always, I, I even suggested, well, then make something you know, make it a bird or make it a number or make it, you know, some sort of symbolism, put it out there and say, come to me as this and like, kind of like assign it to them because it's hard for them to communicate with us. So then once you do see if they like it and they start coming to you in that way. Yeah. Um, I mean, I mean, I've started seeing price. numbers more. And because I was accepted to numbers, I, I saw more. And I just look up the meaning of that number. You know, yeah. if I see like a particular one that stands out, like 10, 10 or something. Yeah. Yeah. I see twos all day. It's six, 10 right now for me, which is seven. But see, what, what's interesting is sure, I can see 22 every day, right? On the clock. All right. And maybe that's just because I'm aware, right? Maybe I'm just aware. However, when you start seeing it like under a building, really big, or like, you know, showing up um, on just like I've had one time this random picture or in a freaking commercial, right? Like right after I saw it on my phone and I said it out loud, you know, just stuff like that, where it's like, that's what synchronicity, that's the yeah. difference between coincidence and synchronicity. It's and a yeah. series. Sorry. Uh, so I just, yeah, no, I just yeah. there's something I realized today, actually, I think today, anyway, it's just the idea that. Oh, recently, anyway, this idea that, so you ended up seeing this particular thing, but you went that way and saw it. If you didn't go that way, you wouldn't have seen it. So it's synchronized with your thoughts and actions beyond your awareness of it. That's amazing, right? That is amazing, right? Yes. So I had this one thing. So I had, um, my mom called me at 7.22 in the morning. And I didn't have to wake up till I was like, it, it was like, I, I didn't have to get up till like 10. I was like, mom, it's 722. I put, you know, and she said, I'm sorry, I'll call you later. So then I go downstairs, let my dog out because he hears me awake and I lay on the couch and, and my partner was watching the news. And all of a sudden on the television, it's an entire commercial that says it's 722. It's 722. I mean, oh, that's geez. all they say. <laughs> Wait, and it's a McDonald's commercial. Like, what? Why would there be a McDonald's commercial saying 722? They don't say anything else. And I hadn't said anything else. So, I mean, like, what is that? You know, it's well, strange. I've got a question. Pardon me. Sorry. If it's 722, is it, do you count the seven and the 22 separately or together? Well, I so guess do you do like seven you and four from the 722? No. Or do you do seven, eight, nine, 10, 11? Well, you could, but 22 is a master number. So 22 and 11 are master numbers in numerology. So seven being the spiritual number, 22 is the master builder, which means you're guided. And so that's how I looked at it. But 
you could do yeah. two plus two is four, I guess, but uh, however you receive it, I mean, whatever you think, you know, whatever you align with. Right. Because it's the meaning is subjective anyway, right? It is um, for Mandy, you. Mandy, you I was just like going to, I was just going to, I was just going to add in that we had on a beautiful guest by the name of Christine, Mich was it Christine Michelle? Is that who it is? Shanna? Yeah. Who talks about ask, believe and receive. And I always, for I always forgot that believe piece. I was just taught ask and receive. So ask, feel it, feel that you, like that it's going to happen, believe and receive. And it's never failed me. I mean, you can ask anything. We forget to talk to the spirit guides and spirit world. Ask, you know, set an intention. Like I'll write it on a piece of paper. Like I need a sign. I need a synchronicity. I need, I need you to guide me. And I put it under my pillow and then I dream about it. Or, you know, when we were trying to name our podcast, I said, let's ask the universe. And me and Shanna both set that intention. And that day I saw a massive truck that had, you know, sense of soul milk or something random on it. And then I went and got my hair done and my hair lady suggested this new shampoo and conditioner called SOS. And then on the way home, I was driving, listening to this random song by Lauren Diego that was called SOS. And it was the universe literally all day long answered that that was supposed to be the name of our podcast. And so you can ask and you will, and if you believe you will receive and I loved that she brought that up and that goes the same with manifesting anything. Um, you know, for me, you just actually placed something on my mind. And that was that um, station six was the first fire station that saved my life. And then station 13 was the second fire station that saved my life. And the synchronicity was that it was a father and his son with the same name that saved me 18 years apart. And it was, six and 13. And I woke up out of my coma on six, 13, 13. I mean, so I just Ooh. put six and third, I just put six and 13 together in my mind and it's 10. And that's also my, my master number. So, you know, it's, it's, it always boils down to the exact same thing. And that is awareness. Right. Yeah. And there's a higher awareness directing it that you are right mm -hmm. oh, you want to know something really interesting that i realized lately i was really struggling with reading books that were well first of all i have placed this belief on myself that i'm not very book smart and i decided to change my relationship with that thought <laughs> and because i really read a lot didn't read a lot yeah, I didn't read a lot of books until the last couple of years in this awakening. Like I can't get enough knowledge. So I'm reading a lot of books and whenever we have on guests, I want to read their books. Well, I was struggling with absorbing it and understanding it. So I started doing things consciously to help raise my vibration. So I would like drum or I'd listen to a meditation just for five minutes, sometimes, maybe sometimes just for two minutes. And I would consciously believe, ask, believe, and receive that I was going to um, absorb this information. And I'd go back to the same book, open up the book, and I was like, I understood all of it. Wow. That, that's great. Although that's what sweet. I do, because I do a lot of readings on my podcast, solo casting, I just read. But when I come up with an idea, especially if it connects to something, usually, actually, if it connects to something I already know or have heard, like... I'll, 
I'll get the inspiration or, or come to me or maybe it'll be given to me and um, I'll, I'll start talking intuitively about my, my ideas and thoughts about it. And, and I mean, even before I podcasted for years, like I used to stop and just like think and draw connections between what I was reading and other things or even mm. discuss it with someone. Right. And just, it was just natural for me to do, to do that with, with my podcasting. So if you're doing stuff with it intuitively, if you're working with it in an intuitive way, connecting it up with other things, then you're relating to it in your brain and also in an energetic way, maybe. I don't know. If you're doing something with it, then maybe it's easier to learn right, it than yeah. if you just sort of yeah. try to drum it into your brain. Right. Like if I had to read a book about math, Kidding. I mean, I could care less. I can barely add up the chakras, as you could say. But so you do I'm sums, not interested. Right? <laughs> you don't read, you don't just read it, you do sums and you work with what your the content. Yeah. Well, I don't think the math book would ever be in a line with me. I mean, I can barely understand numerology because of it. However, right. I am led by numbers, that's for sure. I do look for them. But I, you know, I saw that in myself throughout school. I mean, if you're interested in something, you know, you're obviously going to absorb that easier. But I tell you what, I was never interested in history, right? But I'm very interested in history now. And I'm very against the history that we were taught in school. So um, that became a huge surprise in my life because I would have never thought that I would have been into history as much as I am. So are you? When you talk about history, are you talking about you're now more interested in like stuff to do with like the Atlanteans or something? Or is it more like it was so biased what you're taught? That, or was it both? Well, yeah, I'd say both. I mean, I only discovered history through my own journey. Again, like kind of like um, I'm going to use that same, you know, question that I asked myself, how much of what I have been told have I actually, you know, experienced to believe. And I'd say that a large portion of the history that we've been told is not true. And if you want to know the truth, go out and experience it yourself by learning something about your ancestors. Oh, that's a good point. We are connected to them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, your DNA, they, they, they made you who you are. <laughs> I mean, if one of them didn't exist, you wouldn't exist. Well, not in this physical body anyways. So they're very important. And I, I never considered them before. I was like, who cares about what, what they went through um, until I realized that, um, yeah, everything that I was in this life is a result of the generations prior. Oh, I just realized something. So we have these soul families, right? And like you make on a, on a soul level, you kind of make an agreement with your mother before you're born that that okay. it's a co-creation with your mother uh, and your father, actually, right? You kind of plan your life ahead beforehand that you key events like planning as well, you, where and when you're born astrologically and all of that is all, it's all planned to some extent, but there's obviously free choice, but your mother did the same thing when she was born. Everyone you know, grew up with, everyone did that, right? And so right. if you're, all your ancestors all did the same thing, it means that family, that there's a family connection. A lot of them are your soul family. Mm -hmm. There's the 
soul fat soul groups incarnate together it, a lot in some of them too i've actually proved that with dna with a friend of that i know who i'm very close with i've actually proved that he and i are actually dna connected through our ancestry so it's sometimes it's immediately in your family or it is those good friends and connections that you have in your life both it's amazing shanna yeah. you should ex- you should explain that a little bit more for clarity yeah, so I have connections that we have here. So, you know, I have connection with somebody here, um, you know, very strange connection, like energetically and all that. Even our parents died on the same day, like my dad, his mom, on the same actual physical day, not like in the same year, but the same day. And, you know, just weird connections, weird synchronicities. We're from the same place, all that good stuff, but we live very far from where we were from. And when I was doing my ancestry, you know, I found out, you know, that I had a lot of plantation owners and and slaves as well, both in my tree. And I had done a past life regression and I was on a plantation and that person was in my regression as my brother. And I was like, wow. And he actually looks like my physical brother too, which is- Were you a slave or- no, I wasn't actually, he was the plantation owner and I was just a sister. Yeah. In the regression. So when I'm, so two years later, I'm doing my ancestry and I find out or we're related. We're like 10th cousins underneath the plantation owner. It's a bit of an, you know, it's not, you don't always want to find out something like that. Well, <laughs> My brother, he's related to his wife too. Now, see, if you're from Louisiana, there's a very good chance you're likely related if you've been there a while. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Huh. You know, I'm a strong believer in, in soul connections and soul family and soul contracts. I, I there, what, what other explanation is there for the fact that these two John Woodruffs, John Woodruff Sr. and John Woodruff Jr., 18 years apart, both saved my life. And I had moved to all these different states. These men were brought into my life for a very specific reason. And I have a very, very strong connection with John, uh, the one that's still alive. And his father comes and speaks to me. And he was my first experience with mediumship. And I will tell you that it's unexplainable, the connection I have with this man. It's not sexual. It's, it's nothing like that. It's like this deep care and what'd you say shanna that's same with me i feel the same about yeah. you know my connection with yeah yeah it's so it's, it's not like it's, all love mm-hmm. yeah it's not like um you you're born as a sibling so you know you're supposed to love each other it's mm-hmm. like when you meet them you just automatically love each other and mm-hmm. you don't even know why like you're just buddies in the spirit world yeah yeah And I mean, you know, it's so interesting and I always think about it is that, you know, you probably had many lives. Mandy probably had many lives with John, right? Um, Mandy and I probably had many lives together, you know, whether we were actual physical family or whether we just, you know, have been like partners in crime, which absolutely I guarantee we have, (laughs) but it's interesting because I just had an Akashic reading 
a few days ago and I'm a very feminine person, right? I have to like pull in, you know, some masculine, like intentionally. And I, I was very shocked to, she was talking, she was talking about a life, you know, that was like 600 BC and it was a man and all this. And I was like, gosh, you know, I have such a hard time, like, you know, um, embodying a male energy, you know, but souls have no gender. <laughs> yeah. You incarnate both, you know, with both really. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like you choose, maybe yeah, you choose we're... how masculine or feminine you are. Yeah. Beforehand as well. But I mean, it's not like they have, you know, penises and vaginas, you know what I mean? Literally this is, this is like 3d human body thing, you know, it's interesting. I mean, they probably could have if they wanted to and then like make it disappear the next moment. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure that if they could, I bet a lot of guys would be doing that or maybe even myself. It's just though, if you were like, would you want to, you would, it wouldn't like, it's not like if there's a teenage, it's stereotypical teenager doing it, you know, it's like you're full of love. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, have you ever seen that movie made in heaven? Oh my God. It was one of my most favorite movies. No, I it's an ancient movie. It's an ancient movie though. I mean, I think it was like popular in the eighties and it was like one of those very first HBO movies, like when HBO first came out. And so I watched it a lot because they only had a few and it was, Oh God, it was so good. Um, it was that girl that Kelly Gillis was in it. And I can't think about the other guy, but basically he was a dude that died. Okay. He died in his life, went to heaven, met Kelly Gillis, who was an angel who had never been to earth before. And she was going to go and she was going to become a new soul, like a baby. And he begged this guy who was kind of representing the God or something, but the guy like smoked. It was kind of weird, but it's such a good movie. And so they, so he's like, I'll give you 30 years to find her. He makes a deal with him. His name was Emmett in the movie. I'll remember that. Oh God, I love this movie so much. I'm going to have to go like watch it. And so he, he goes to earth as like a new soul, right? Like a totally different person with a new life and all this. And he has 30 years to find her. It's so good. You're going to have to watch it. I won't tell that you. That sounds what pretty cool, actually. Yeah. But I do Speaking think it's kind of, of like that. Speaking of movies, I, I am still a little jaw dropped over that Disney um, one that came out called, is Soul. It called Soul. I haven't seen it, but so many people uh, are mentioning it. I guess I have to now. Well, guess what? My I'm going to write down 22. now watch Soul. Yeah, you know yeah. how my number is 22? The little soul is a little blue like energy ball and its name is 22. I'm like, my kids are like, mom, did you write this movie and not tell us about it? I'm like, would we be <laughs> living here? We'd be living like in Maui or something. <laughs> well, right. it's a it's a great one. It I've rewatched it three times and every time I watch it, I catch another like message that I didn't catch the first time. It's pretty cool. Maybe I should watch it like one time on mushrooms and then one time um, after an edible and then one time sober. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Well, I mean, well, have you taken mushrooms? Shannon and I did do a microdose. We had on a woman who is a very strong believer in plant medicine. I will share that I quit taking it about three weeks in. Um, 
because it had niacin in it and it was making me like kind of have anxiety because it was breaking me out. Like, you know, niacin makes like your, your um, blood come to the surface of your skin. Um, but I will tell you that I have not been on my antidepressant since. Huh. Cause I was put on yeah. Zoloft in 2013 after my asthma attack because of the trauma my body had gone on, gone through. It wasn't even a choice. The doctors just started giving it to me while I was in recovery. And I was on Zoloft since 2013 and I did the microdosing and I have been off of it since. So when you're on hallucinogens, um, obviously letting go is very important. So I guess my experience is that it kind of it helps you awaken because you have to let go to avoid a bad trip. Um, what's your perspective about how they help you spiritually? Okay, so we were microdosing, so we were not hallucinating like whatsoever. Like I went about my business as a mom and nobody knew, nobody could have t- t- been able to tell that I was on mushrooms. Only I did. And because I journaled it and I was very aware, but I mean, I could multitask like a mother, mother, like a mother. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And that was interesting. Yeah. So um, my internet connection is a bit, um, could be better. So um, you can obviously finish off what you're saying and we can, I, I would like to, I don't know, like focus on it like, is there anything you want to share, like, to really summarize what you're about or what's important to you? Or is there anything you wanted to discuss briefly? Yeah, we yeah. call that break that shit down in our podcast. All right. So break that shit down. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> you have to say it like Mandy. Yeah. Could you, Nicholas, could you go, now it's time for Break That Shit Down. Now it's time for Break That Shit Down. There you go. That's awesome. (laughs) Well, if I was going to break it down, I would just tell people today that you're enough. And to just be is enough. And to take some time to get to know you. Sit with yourself and get to know you and your true sense of your soul so that you can become your purpose and that you're not alone. If you're going through an awakening, reach out to Shanna and I. We're here for you. It's, it's confusing. It can be lonely, it can be scary, but at the same time, it's, it's beautiful and it's all of it and, and it's a lot. And we're, we're here for you. And I would just say, you know, be open, you know, don't, don't be in a little box, you know? Our souls need space to expand so that they can live their designed purpose. Like every one of you have a purpose, every one of you, all you have to do is give yourself space enough to be able to be aware of it 
and see the signs and be led and trust the journey and just, you know, just connect more with the inside and then work from the inside out. Okay, thank you. So you're not a cat, so don't stay in a box. <laughs> no. Yeah. Don't stay in your own shit, for sure. Yeah, okay. So, um, you know, that was a great conversation. I really enjoyed it. And I imagine my listeners did too. So, well, um, maybe I could have you on again. Or and, maybe uh, we could have you on. Um, all right. I love your brain. Right. So... I agree. All right. You can invite me. And uh, yeah, I agree. So <laughs> let's talk about that. But yeah. Um, so everyone have a have a lovely day and bye for now.